Two words, United States, no love, no breaks, low brow, high stakes, crack smoke, black folks, Big Macs, fat folks, ecstasy, capsules, presidential scandals, everybody move. Two words, most dev, Kanye, hot shit, calm down, get back, ghetto people got this, game pawn lock shit, gone pawn cock shit, we don't stop shit, everybody move. Two words, BKNY, bed style, too hard, too hungry, too many, that's why these streets, no game, can't ball, don't play, heavy traffic, one lane, everybody. Move. Two words, most death, K West, hot shit, calm down, get packed, ghetto people got this, game pawn lock, gun pawn cock, we don't stop, most in the rock. Everybody. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies featuring Bryn and also Jeremy. That's right. And we're here to talk about what we watched. Yes, it's the show about TV. Yeah, I guess it's about it's about it's a movie. movie. I mean, it's a movie. It's whatever. really long. It's a very long whatever <laughs> it is. Um, it kind of they presented it as a movie trilogy. But they yeah. released it as though it was a TV show because it comes out in three parts. Yeah, and the thing on the thing said like new episode like in the oh, in really? the interface for netflix it would say new episode available <laughs> it doesn't matter at this point they're so interchangeable I, yeah it, i i wonder if even we're making too big of a deal even mentioning that there's like a difference between a movie and mm-hmm. a tv show because they're like companies don't even make a distinction really anymore right. except in, that in there's, production it's yeah it's basically the same thing there's now. one of them sometimes Mm -hmm. like palm springs one episode tv show yeah (laughs) white lotus six episode movie (laughs) yeah so Um, we watched uh we watched a movie this week yeah we watched a movie we watched a couple or we watched three movies maybe i watched very few movies uh because i was on tour on tour and i hurt my foot so I watched. I did what I was able to watch a little bit because I didn't really go anywhere for the next couple of days. Nice. I didn't watch very much this week, actually. Really? Um, did you watch anything? I watched a bunch of TV that I'm going to talk about. All right, tell me about it. Uh, so I am watching currently. Uh, well, first of all, I'm watching Winning Time, which is fantastic, dude. Fa- Winning Time is just getting better and better. What a show! We both watch Winning. What Time. What a goddamn show! So wait, we're both on episode three, episode right? Episode three, yeah. This uh, is the I'm, Winning Time podcast. Yeah, I'm absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving uh what's his name the main guy uh bus what's his name the john real c riley yeah john c riley um incredible actor john c riley is incredible in it as uh, usual really really enjoying him adrian brody showing up absolutely loving that in the trailer i was really thinking he would be like a bit of a weird fit mm-hmm. like i wasn't sure about adrian no brody. he belongs he's so good he really belongs he's such a talented uh uh hot sad guy he's so good at playing a hot sad guy i didn't even know i i can't think of a single thing adrian brody's been in except for like wes anderson movies oh yeah yeah. he is to me i was thinking this when i watched french dispatch i can't remember if i talked about this 
when I talked about French Dispatch or not, that Adrian Brody is, to me, the quintessential Wes Anderson actor. Mm. He is the guy who gets the Wes Anderson vibe more than anyone else. And that includes sure. fucking Jason Schwartzman, who's been doing movies with him forever. Since the Since the first one. one. Uh, I think he was in Bottle Rocket, too, wasn't was he? Was he? He probably is, yeah. I think so. Uh, the only other person is Owen Wilson is in every one of them also. Yeah, Owen and Wilson. And Owen Wilson, I would argue, doesn't really get the vibe as much <laughs> as Adrian Brody does. Adrian Brody nails it every single time. It's so time. crazy. There's a movie called Marry Me that came out recently with Owen mm-hmm. Wilson. Did you see that trailer? I didn't see the trailer, but I saw like a picture of it. It's like, it's is it Mariah Carey or Jennifer? I can't remember who it is, but it's just like this famous celebrity is like, being cheated on like she gets left at the altar by her like cheating husband or whatever mm-hmm. and he just happens to be there and she's like i'm gonna marry this random stranger instead and that's yeah. the premise of the movie hilarious <laughs> i love that owen wilson is like he is like wes anderson's muse and then also just does like the worst romantic comedies it's, in the world yeah it's jennifer lopez <laughs> uh yeah exactly and then well he did like midnight in paris and that's a cute movie. yeah um but yeah he's he's so funny because he's just like has such cool cred and then doesn't use it. Yeah. Like he could do anything. He could do anything. And he's just like chooses to cash in on like near Hallmark level movies. But it doesn't. The thing that's crazy about it is that it doesn't impact his cred at no, all. Not at all. He doesn't. Because he like, started that way. Yeah. He doesn't stop getting the Wes Anderson stuff. He doesn't stop getting Woody <laughs> Allen stuff. Like anyone will let him do anything he wants. Yeah. Is he in Marvel yet? This is the first time. Did you not see that? There was this incredible, uh, there was this incredible thing where they cut up his interview to make him say a sentence mm-hmm. in like the most obvious way. He's like, "This is the first time for me in the Marvel universe." <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's in Loki. Oh, that sucks. I what a watch. bummer. <laughs> I hear that's good, actually. Yeah, but whatever. That makes me sad. He shouldn't <laughs> be in. That would be. That would be sick if he was like doing all this like stuff, but the one thing he won't do is Marvel. Yeah, but he's I like, think... I'll do fucking Marley and me and like a J Lo rom com, but fuck you, Marvel. Yeah, but fuck you. I'm not doing Loki. <laughs> he does anything. Is Adrian Brody in Marvel yet? I don't think so. King, king, absolute <laughs> king. I love Adrian Brody. <laughs> he's very good in Winning Time. Yeah, I, uh, so good. I am still very annoyed by the editing in Winning Time. It is annoying. At the very least, I've kind of like, I've trained myself a little bit to when I notice it, be like, it'll be over soon. Yeah, because it is. (laughs) Because it's very quick. It's always quick. It's not Adrian Brody. Seems like he was in. Oh, no. Abner Brody is a character. Mm. Adrian Brody has not been. Beautiful. In it. Nope. Not at all. Wonderful. Adrian Brody, king of showbiz. <laughs> Love him. Yeah, he's so good in this. He's really good in this. Um, His, uh, the, I'm glad they got into this concept of people who are like, almost like the military, like in a weird way, shell-shocked by, you know, sort of they're using their bodies intensely mm-hmm. in their 20s and then being like, well, now my career's over. And yeah. I can never play. And what the do thing I do now? Yeah. I've like spent decades becoming good at. What do I do? Right. And it's like I don't need to work. I'm rich enough to like live, but not that well because it's not. It's still the MBA and it's not the 
baseball or anything. He's not being right. Paid. Yeah, it's it's the NBA during a time where the NBA isn't the biggest thing in the world. So I mean, but it seems like he's okay. He's doing okay. He'll he'll probably be fine. But he's just like sitting. But he's sitting around and and just being crazy around his wife, and his <laughs> wife wants him out of the fucking house. Yeah. But that's really realistic and feels really loving. And I love that re- the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like that relationship feels is like depicted really interesting or like really nicely where it's like she's supportive of whatever he would want to do. Right. But he's got to do something that isn't going to drive him crazy. And yes. she's like trying to be delicate, but also firm. Uh, that's that's all really great. I loved that stuff. Yeah. Um, very good stuff there. John C. Riley getting super mad at Jerry mm-hmm. West. Uh, very good. Very good stuff. Jerry West's this whole mafia thing that's happening right now. I'm very interested in where that's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone gets killed over this. It's interesting because it's like you can already see plainly like where everything is going to land, right? Like Jerry's going to be the coach. Adrian Brody's going to be the color commentary guy. He's not actually. Really, neither of them are. Do you know the reels? Uh, no. Oh, the real story, because we just watched the uh, the old 30 for 30 uh-huh. of the Lakers versus the Celtics, okay. uh, which is really long and incredible, and if you, it's one of the best sports documentaries. I'll watch it after this season is over. Yeah, because then you'll get spoiled. Actually, maybe it just won't spoil you. Uh, no, it's, I mean, this is fine. You already told me it's not going to be this way, so why not? All right. Uh, well, it's Adrian but, Brody becomes the coach. Yes. Really? Yeah. He's Pat, Hell yes, he's Pat Riley. I mean, he's, I don't know. He was he he took the Lakers to like all their championships. Beautiful. Um, love uh, that. Jerry, uh, Jerry. Love that. I'm going to see more of him. Jerry West becomes uh, the color commentary guy, ge- general manager of the Lakers. Okay. Um, and it's sort of does what he says. It's they sort of foreshadow where he's like bus he's like i'll show you i'll find the guy for you right and bus is like get the fuck out but that's what he ends up doing he sort of like ends up sort of big picture running the show but knows he's not a good enough coach mm-hmm. um it's really interesting because they are changing some stuff like the timelines sure like, but whatever i mean it's uh, i i appreciate when that happens it's in good one of these things it's 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 really interesting i mean but then who becomes the color commentary guy i don't know just something uh, See, this I, he, is the problem for me is like I really I care about the color commentary. Well, he does. This is what he I does it for about. a year before. Okay. So he does get the color commentary job. All right. So I don't know what we're gonna see though. Because color commentary is my favorite thing in sports. Probably you would be good at that. Like good color commentary is the best. You've got a very vo- good voice for it. I do have a good voice for it, and I am very good at spinning a stupid yarn, <laughs> which is that's <laughs> what I love. Yarn. That's what I love in color commentary is when like you're halfway through a baseball inning and like the guy is just like still talking about like, you know, some game he played 20 <laughs> years ago. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And just like in the middle of a story, just being like, you know, and back in those days, like the, the, you know, they didn't have as much regulation on the height of the home run wall. And so <laughs> uh, it, out in left field, it was 20 feet high and out in right field, it was only 12 feet high. So you'd want to aim for right field. That's right, Tom. That's how we got the green monster well but so, but so it would be like he's in the middle of saying like and the and the green monster is about 30 feet tall and and you know you, you don't want to hit at that because you're never going to get the ball of it and then like in the middle of that and strike two because <laughs> the play-by-play commentator has to do he something has to, yeah. the color commentator gets to just like do whatever the fuck he wants just, just ramble on yeah. about the good old days the best is um i remember when they introduced the curveball old the, uh, thomas finnegan the color and play-by-play guys for the new york red bulls on the local uh 
the the local broadcast is that footy that's the yeah that's the footy uh it's uh the, the color guy is shep messing at least this is who it used to be <laughs> shep messing shep shep oh, messing shep. who uh so it's shep messing and then the the play-by-play guy was like a hockey guy for the new jersey devils okay. i don't know i can't remember his name offhand uh but he's like fine he's a good play-by-play guy shep messing is insane he like has a brain disease and like (laughs) from doing way too much cocaine in the 70s because he was he was the goalie for the original new york cosmos when like when like pele played there and like they were fucking like just doing lines at studio 54 and they were like new york celebrities (laughs) and like partying every night shep messing was in playgirl magazine what (laughs) yeah dude you gotta watch the fucking documentary about uh the cosmos it's okay. crazy. Is it a 30 for 30? No, it's no, it's co- just an independent thing. Okay. Um, but the basic plot synopsis is that like the Cosmos are this huge celebrity team of yeah. just like they get the best player in the world to come to America. Pele, he's a Brazilian guy. Yeah. And uh, they become celebrities. They party. They're in like all the magazines and whatever. And then the rest of the country is like trying to keep up with the cosmos by like buying more and more celebrity players. And they're all like, hey, what if the fucking um, what if the Indianapolis soccer team is where like the stars are now? (laughs) And so everybody spends way too much money and doesn't get enough money back. And so the whole league just collapses. And there's no American soccer again for like 30 years. (laughs) Wow, that's awful. (laughs) Sorry, 20 years. It's 1996 is when it comes back. But um, yeah, crazy documentary about just like wild 70s ass shit. That sounds great. And Shep Messing in the 70s is so cool. But anyway, the point is that like Shep Messing's color commentary is all just like that. It's all just him being like... when I was railing coke (laughs) off of a stripper's (laughs) asshole. (laughs) You know, back in my day, we were playing playing soccer at Shea Stadium, at a (laughs) a baseball stadium. You know, you'd leave there, you'd go out to the club, but that's a story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so crazy <laughs> have you ever seen that twitter uh account called footy scran no it's just like pictures of food you get at a s- mm. stadium in um in england yeah so it's just like a, little pies a and meat shit pie on a roll with like peas on it and that shit. rules it's <laughs> awesome it looks so good <laughs> that's my favorite kind of food um, anyway winning time is great winning time is great the other thing i want to talk about very briefly is the new and final season of better things the Pamela oh, adlin yeah. vehicle good show good ass show i haven't watched the that final much season is excellent it's very good I think the show is great. The girls are great. Uh, yeah. I love that they keep getting them back. That's fantastic. Um, the little girls. The three girls, yeah, that they keep getting them back every year is great because you, you could very easily envision, especially the eldest daughter is like a successful actor now. Who is she? She was in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's the girl who got set on fire. Um, Margot Robbie? Oh, no, the other girl. Oh. The other girl, the one of the Manson girls. Okay. Um, she's uh in scream she's in a bunch of stuff she's around now she's a real actor and so like her getting to be there every time is is great it's very nice to see and uh you could very easily envision a scenario where they like wrote around it being like hey she's uh i don't know at college college, yeah (laughs) whatever um but they keep getting she's there so they were able to write a story where she like kind of like flames out of college and decides to you know right stay around mom's house that's Uh, cool but 
it's a great show. The vibes are fantastic. The ability to like to um to 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 synthesize the feeling of being friends with a family is fantastic. It's mm. very rare to see where like it's not very like because you've only seen a couple episodes of the show, right? I've seen the first season. Okay, it's not very plot oriented, right? Every episode is kind of its own thing, and even within an episode, it's not necessarily very plot oriented. Sometimes it's just <laughs> a scene and then another scene. Okay. But the idea, I think, at least from my perspective, is the idea of it is supposed to be like you're a friend of this family and you are kind of a spectator to a moment of this family. Mm-hmm. And then you aren't there for the conclusion of that story. You don't know how it ends. But the next time you see them, things are different. So you're like, oh, I guess that worked itself they out. Or whatever. It out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's an episode in like the second or third season where the middle daughter kind of alludes to being trans but then you never hear about it again. I thought that that is in the beginning. Like the, because that. It might be in the beginning. That character. There's some stage where the where the middle daughter alludes to being trans. Yeah. But then never comes out, never really acts upon it, I guess, or whatever you'd say. Frankie, right? Yeah, Frankie. And then later on, uh, Duke is now older and is kind of like going through her own kind of like gender experimenting teenage years. Sure. And Frankie is kind of like weird and conservative about it sometimes. And you're like, oh, I don't really know what happened there, but it seems like something happened. Mm, um, and they're really good at like writing things in such a way where like it doesn't feel like you were cheated of a resolution to the story or anything. Like it's just you're not a, you wouldn't you weren't there. That. Yeah, you weren't there. You weren't <laughs> over the house that day. <laughs> yeah, there's four daughters. No, three. Sam. Sam is the mom. Oh yeah, yeah. Sam is Pamela. It's always funny. It's it's funny that they all have guys' names: Max, Frankie, and Duke. Yeah. Uh, she. Why is it her mom British? Uh, Phil. Phil. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> especially because her dad is like this hilarious, like borscht belt Jew. <laughs> wow, this is crazy. She directed every single episode after the first season. Yeah. Uh huh. That's nuts. Yeah. Once Louis got canceled, um, because he directed. A bunch of the first season i think one but he wrote a bunch mm-hmm. of the first and second season and then yeah now it's mostly her it's all and it's her. honest to god it's way better now i really think it's it's gotten way better in the last couple seasons lance bangs directed a bunch that's uh, cool yeah she's a fantastic first. director i really think that's awesome um I'll and ju- i really honest to god i think show. it's it's one of the best like it's not it's not always funny. It's not always like it, it kind of like sits in one of those like little middle spaces between genres. And I think it's one of the best of that type of show. Yeah, I remember it feeling a lot like Louie, mm-hmm. which is not always laugh out loud funny, but yeah. always really interesting. Uh-huh. It's very much it, it, it definitely is in a similar space to Louie, but I feel like it's much more like like resonant i guess like it feels like because louis often like trades in this sort of i actually just recently rewatched a bunch of the first season of louis mm-hmm. um it trades in this sort of like absurdism where like yeah he's more intrigued by the idea of like a real thing that turns into a weird place yeah she's much more into like a real thing that turns into a painful place mm-hmm. and so like like in this season for example they're having this like they have this like beautiful scene of her cooking borscht and she's like slaving over this borscht for like four hours and you see her do every little thing 
and and this is a very Louis thing, right? So like romantically watch as somebody like cooks and like smashes garlic and like picks up the pieces off the floor after they accidentally get down there and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then she brings it over to her mom's house. She gathers all the daughters together. They go over to the mom's house. And then the mom is like, you're never going to guess what I found. I found a photo album from your wedding. And she's like, I don't want to look at the photo album from my wedding. <laughs> yeah, why I'm, would I want to do I'm, that? I'm divorced and it's very clearly still a pain point for me. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to look at that. And her daughters are like, come on, it's my dad. Like, I'm entitled to knowing what my dad looked like young and what you looked like young. And I'm, you know, I wouldn't exist without my dad. And like, you know, b- b- fairly yeah. normal concerns, but also like being completely oblivious to how Sam feels about it. Or not caring. <laughs> or not caring at all. And then Sam being like, I really don't want to fucking do this right now. And f- uh, Frankie has this like big thing where she's like, oh, you're such a fucking actor. <laughs> what a performance and like slow claps at her and you just watched her like slave over this borscht for four hours <laughs> gather everybody up and it's like that's what uh, that's what the show is all about yeah, is like really really twisting annoying the and, knife yeah. in a way of like like i love this person so much why must they hurt me <laughs> I, <laughs> that sucks yeah it rules it's a yeah. great show yeah I remember liking it. I'll, I definitely won't want to catch up with it yeah. now that's ending. What did you watch this week? I watched. Uh, it, so basically, it was like four p.m. and I was like, I should watch a movie for the show. <laughs> and I was like, I want to watch something I don't have to pay attention to. Um, so I was going to watch either Turning Red or Spider Man Three. Mm-hmm. Spider Man Marvel Version Three. What is it called? No Way Home. Spider Man Three Three Number. Yeah. Three. Number three. Um, the third incarnation of Spider-Man number three. That's the one I watched. It's not... No way home. It's not Spider-Man 3 directed by Sp- Sam Raimi. It's not... There's no... There's no Spider-Man 2 of that no Spider-Man incarnation. 2 that is there a Spider-Man... There is a Spider-Man 2 of that one, right? Yes. Of the Garfield The amazing one? Spider-Man 2. It, who's yeah. in now? Who's the who's the bad guy? Uh, Jamie Foxx. No, but what villain is it? Electro. <laughs> That sucks. Um, and the no lizard. wonder nobody saw that. And the lizard, I think. Yeah, the. Uh, but they're awful. So the thing thing about this movie is that they're both in this one. Right. So they did a thing where like Toby Maguire's in it. They open the time hole and like Willem Dafoe is in it too, right? So at the end of the last one, uh, Mysterio pulls this weird thing where he reveals that Peter Parker, Spider Man, and like deep fakes that. Uh, spider-man killed or tried to kill a bunch of people and Mm. then killed mysterio which he did kill mysterio um like murdered the guy right um uh, kind of on accident but in in the sort of like media storm it seems like peter parker killed a guy in cold blood and tried to kill a bunch of people right um so this movie opens with that being the problem which is that everyone knows who he is and all of his friends and family are constantly under fire and um he uh doesn't want that to be the case they don't get into mit because because of this like there's like media storms so they like don't even acknowledge their thing so he tries to like ask the lady whatever he goes to he goes to dr strange and he's like can we make that not have happened um can we like make people like everyone forget who i am and he's like "Mm, i guess kind of and then they do it and then uh, but kind of fuck it up for plot reasons. And uh, is that literally it? Just is like whoops. 
Yes, like he he the, he he, he like slips on a banana peel while he's doing the script, and <laughs> he messes. He's like, well, he's like, wait, not everyone won't know who I am. I want Mary Jane to know, and he's like, I'm doing the spell right now, and he's like, uh, he's like, okay, Mary Jane and Ned and Happy and like all of these people and my aunt May, and he's like, you're gonna fuck this up, so he tries to stop it mm-hmm. from happening, um, and they don't do that spell, but the fuck up uh makes all of the multiverses like collide right um and so you know green goblin and uh dr octopus and jamie fox and hayden thomas hayden church oh wow. um like everybody comes and is like now a problem and they have to deal with that and that's the whole movie they mm-hmm. it's them dealing with that and uh yeah it's fun it's probably the best one because i really like I have a real soft spot for Spider-Man. There's like a fight scene between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man in this movie that is like candy. Like if mm. you ever thought comics were cool, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Right. Like, Cause he like takes him into a mirror dimension where he like kaleidoscopes buildings and shit. Yeah. And it's I've like, seen that it's in fucking the trailer. That looks so pretty sick. sick. It's awesome. I don't know if watching the movie or like understanding the entirety of the Marvel universe is worth this like five minute scene. But if you have been watching them, this one is probably the coolest one. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it has the least like union busting, like weird, like defending billionaires because Tony's dead. Right. And there there isn't really any villains in the movie that are new. The problem with the last two movies is like both of them were like this guy who Tony fucked over and is mad at Tony because he's a billionaire and like made him lose business or fired him and they're like rightfully mad that's the villain right (laughs) and that's both of the first two spider-man movies uh which is like hard to recommend because it's so annoying um but this one doesn't have any of that tony's dead and uh yeah all the all the like fun kid stuff like still works all of their like you know high school emotions and like going to college stuff still like functions what's like the what's the dynamic between the spider-men it's pretty funny i mean i don't know they didn't have anybody from uh into the spider-verse no but they do like make a a a weird joke about it where like like andrew garfield takes off his mask as like to jamie fox and jamie fox is like it's like uh, you're from queens you help all these poor people. I thought you'd be black. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, don't apologize. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like there, there's a, th- those movies are written pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, either you think it's funny or you don't. Um, and the Spider-Man is very like them. Like we're all nerds and we're like, oh, we have like brothers now. And it's like, it's cute. Yeah. It's good. I don't know. It, it's a good one, I think. And it ends really dark. Like, I saw the scene where uh, Tom Holland is about to like beat the Green Goblin to death. Yeah, and like Toby Maguire has to like stop it. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? No, Aunt May dies, and then like the the Earth is like that sucks. By the way, uh, Marissa Tomei <laughs> should always be in movies. Well, I think they'll bring her back because the they way they fucking this- better, and she better have way more sexy things to do. <laughs> she is. It's a- stupid to make her old. <laughs> 
Well, she's not. I mean, she, she in, in in the Spider-Man movies, everyone thinks she's hot. And, oh, great. And she gets a lot of sexy things to do. Fantastic. Um, and, <laughs> Good. And, and John Favreau ends up fucking her in the second one. Nice, uh, dude. <laughs> Get it, John. <laughs> they, have, they have a fling. If I were if I were in Hollywood, if I were like a it's guy really like funny. John, if I was John Favreau and yeah. I had that sort of sway, I'd be like, I'm going to write every movie I'm in to, <laughs> to somehow involve me fucking Marissa Tomei. He does. It's very funny. That rules. The second one is funny. It's worth watching. Um, <laughs> but the third one ends where she dies and like the multiverse is falling apart. And basically he's like, what can we do? And he's like, we can't do anything. We have to, to totally break the whole thing. Yeah. And um, he's like, he's like if you if we do that it'll just be the original thing where everybody forgets who you are like literally everybody who's ever known you um me all of your friends and family no one will know who you are and he's like okay and he's like i'm not gonna do it and he's like you have to or everyone will die like obviously and then that just happens and then there's no like there's just like this long sequence of him like getting an apartment in brooklyn by himself and nobody knows who he is whoa and that's just the end of the movie and i was like what what (laughs) And what's um, the after credit scene? Just like Tom Hardy at a beach, like being Venom. What? <laughs> like, like also Venom got into the universe, and then and then he's like talking. He's like, "Wait, what is going on?" Wait, he's in the movie. Yeah, Tom Hardy is as Venom is just like at the post credit sequence. Is like, oh, but I mean, not in the not in the regular part. No, no, no. He's just like <laughs> he's at this like beach in in like Mexico uh-huh. in, in that universe, and he's like talking to venom and he's like we gotta get out of here he's like i just want to know what happens and he's like Mm. he's like so there's this like robot everyone's a superhero in this universe (laughs) and like the guy is like telling him about the blip where everyone went away for five years he's like i don't understand and then he just disappears because i guess he goes back to his own universe but then like a little symbiote like stays so that's the end of the universe so i guess the next one spider-man will fight venom has to it's and stupid to make Venom a good guy. That's he's not, not a good guy. But I mean, like in like the Venom movies, like he's like kind of a good. He's an antihero. I like I like Venom being kind of good-hearted, but like. But he has to uncontrollable. fight. You need to fight Spider-Man. Of That's, course, you have to fight. That Spider-Man. is number one in the Venom <laughs> thing. Like you must fight Spider-Man. You must fight him. The fact that they've done two Venom movies where he doesn't fight Spider-Man is disgusting to me. But you like those, right? I only saw the first one. I loved it, but oh. it's so stupid. I don't love it like it's good movies, but like yeah, I mean, it's I love very s- stupid fun. I love Spider-Man, the three Spider-Man Marvel ones, way more than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're not good. I'm aware, but yeah. they're as a as someone who grew up reading Spider-Man, like they hit it harder and better than anyone else has. Yeah, um, and this one I think is by far the best one um but you get what i mean though right the idea of having two venom movies in which neither of them he fights spider-man is like having like a knuckles movie where he fights shadow <laughs> you know it's like this is not where's sonic where's sonic <laughs> uh yeah what's going on Absolutely. it's like a vegeta movie where he fights piccolo <laughs> this is wrong where's goku where's goku <laughs> I, I uh i haven't seen either of those so um yeah but that sounds very weird uh this one does have a couple of like really annoying things but it's a marvel movie so Mm -hmm. it's not surprising i can't really think of what they were so he has to close the multiverse to and everybody gets sent back to their own dimensions and whatever yeah and everyone forgets who he is got it so he's got no one to fight he's got nothing to do and he can't hang out with his friends no one to fight everyone's gone 
I mean, I guess he's like. He's still like he can still fight crime, right? Does he still yeah, have a spider no, suit? Yeah, and shit? He's, he's like the end of the movie is him just like alone jumping and like swinging through Central Park, mm-hmm. and like the music is sad, and that's it. Um, I can't remember. There's some really dumb stuff. Oh, the fucking like they make Willem Dafoe say the meme. He's like, I'm something of a scientist myself. Woof. And it's like not funny. Mm-hmm. It sucks. There's it's also like, it's not a meme. It's a line from the movie. Yeah, where that he already said. Yeah, but it like it has this. And it's also the, the meme it. is only funny when he says a different word. Yeah, <laughs> I'm something of a fucking idiot myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not funny just to say the thing. That's that is a funny one. I was thinking of the other one. I know. Me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie i thought it was fun time i recommend watching that movie if you um have ever liked spider-man yeah it's not as good as into the spider-verse which is a really good that's movie. the best spider-man movie if i by far yes followed by the first sam raimi and then the second sam raimi i don't really like those sorry actually i mean the second sam raimi and then the first sam raimi i don't really like those as much you're wrong i know when's but- the last time you watched them long time ago we're putting them on the, <laughs> they're, <laughs> getting, they're going on the schedule yeah. but i like the new ones they're they're both going on we're doing a spider month Ooh, spider month <laughs> best spider-mans okay i'm into that or for for regular and bonus every week that's a great idea i bet we have enough spider-man movies there's what is there? there's three Raimi's. there's two garfields yep and there's three there's Marvels. spider-verse and then there's three marvels yeah so that's six seven eight nine all right, we'll have to cut one. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a fun time. Uh, All right, Spider Month is... What's what's our schedule looking like going forward? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it after the episode. <laughs> let's get into uh, the movie we watched this All week. All right, so let's talk about it. <laughs> this movie is called Genius, mm-hmm. and it is directed by Cootie. Cootie and the other guy. I forget the one he calls him. Kate? Uh, Ka- I don't know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um. This is a movie that is a three-part documentary, four and a half hours long. Yes. Uh, by Kanye West's friend from from when he was a kid, uh, about Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way this movie is structured is we get over an hour and a half following Chike Kanye. Chike is his name. Chike, Kudi and Chike. Kudi and Chike. Um. They they we follow Kanye West from basically like childhood like t- yeah teen. he's like uh, he's nineteen when we meet him mm-hmm. and then he's you know he's making beats he's just dropped out of college he's just dropped out of college he's making beats for all these rappers all these Rockefeller rappers and not even Rockefeller yet he's doing it for local Chicago guys like just random ass Chicago acts that like you never hear about who are on his first album yeah like well even no but even like among the guys who's making beats for only a few of them are on the album like Twista is on there but otherwise it's like there's some random ass people on there that you're like who the fuck right like GDF or yeah and there's like it's Harlem like- something like I don't know who the fuck that is no clue no but clue. um so so the first big part is a is very in depth about making like getting from nobody like a sort of like standard underdog story right yeah. like getting from 
just scrappy. I'm trying to produce. I'm trying to rap. I can do both. I want to do both. And then the sort of like standard Kanye story, you know, which yeah. is... That's what I was going to say is like, what's interesting in the first one is that it's the story that you know very well. If you've ever heard the college dropout, if you know the last song in the college dropout where he literally just tells this story at the yeah. end of it, like, you know, this story, but it's cool to see it like fleshed out so much. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's nice to see lots all of the behind details the scenes, and stuff. Lots of like his actual attitude at the time. Mm-hmm. Which isn't it really you, big side character is uh, Kanye West's retainer. <laughs> yeah, he keeps taking out his retainer and putting it on stuff. It's so funny. That's uh, that is the funniest recurring bit I've <laughs> ever seen in a music documentary. Is like it, it's seemingly like folks at home. If you have not watched this, it is seemingly every five to seven minutes. Yeah, somebody is like, "What the fuck is that?" And he's like, "It's my retainer." <laughs> He takes his retainer out in public yeah. and then puts it on like just the table yeah, or like in his pocket or whatever. It's so funny. Um, and they're like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I got to take my retainer out to rap. But it's like, yeah. why? Uh, this is before he gets an accident. Um, if you are a fan of Kanye West or have ever been a fan of Kanye West, you know that right before graduation was finished or started like real good production, he got in a bad car accident while he was in L.A., uh, meeting with Jay Z, I think. Oh, he's like working on um, somebody's record. Somebody somebody's who record. becomes nobody. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the funniest thing is like how many of the like how many of the things he's getting passed over for are just like so inconsequential. Yeah. I just Stuff watched. That um, they thought would be big at the time. Yeah, somebody just showed me a video of Metallica playing at the Grammys uh, <laughs> the first time they ever played. And it was in like the middle of the 80s. And it's like right after, um, or I guess it's the end of Black the 80s. Album, it's 88. Yeah. No, it's um, before the Black Album. It's um, Injustice for All just came out. And they play out, one or And something? they play one. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time they do best heavy metal performance at the Grammys. And they lose to Jethro Tull. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but they're playing and it's so fucking, like the beginning of it is really weird because they're like clearly nervous and they like yeah. don't know what they're doing there. And they're playing like shit. And then about halfway through, once we get to the like, the really sick part, uh, once we get to the sick part, you can see them all just be like, dude, fuck it. Let's just fucking play. And so they just like stop really giving a shit. They stop p- noticing the audience at all and they just rip through the rest of the song, right? <laughs> and it's fucking gnarly. You love it. You love Metallica. They're the best. We love Metallica. But uh, they lose and I was like looking back at the Grammys that year to see who else is like up the the next most consequential song that's up for anything is Don't Worry Be Happy. <laughs> that's the next most consequential thing on the Grammys that night. Everything else is what you'd expect it to be. It's like yeah. some bullshit by Jethro Tull that nobody cares Lionel about. Lionel Richie. Yeah, some bullshit by like Stevie Wonder that nobody cares about. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. I mean nobody knows what's good. Yeah, and and in this you're seeing Kanye get passed over for like the most random ass fucking gangster rap guys that like yeah. they have some origin story where they're like i got shot bad <laughs> i was in jail yeah it's uh you know it's that's it's through the lens of history where it's just like oh yeah of course nobody knew kanye would be kanye mm-hmm. but it's very funny to see people absolutely have no clue and nobody believes in and him. no respect for him at all yeah just completely and, and it's weird because it's like america loves an underdog story and this is a very very big underdog story where he yeah. becomes a 
one of the richest people in the world and one of the probably the biggest artists in the world. Yeah, easily the most influential artist of our lifetime. And you know that's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, watching him, you know, just like marketing directors at Rockefeller just be like, okay, yeah, whatever. And like hearing legendary songs that you know are yeah. legendary and being All like, falls hey, down. cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love how you say light skinned friend looks like Michael Jackson, dark skinned <laughs> friend looks like Michael Jackson. <laughs> cool line. Anyway, I have to, uh, I have to go see what, uh, 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 yeah, he said uh, daughter. He named she named her daughter Alexis. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. Funny line. Okay, funny line. I have to file these now. So. I have to be in a meeting. But then you know it, it continues, and he meets Pharrell, and Pharrell like is freaked out, and like Pharrell is an oracle. Like I yeah. think Pharrell is like one of the best musicians of all time. And it's like an interesting time in Pharrell's career to to be meeting with him because he is. On the he top is of the just world. at the next phase of the Kanye career, exactly. right? Because he had just finished being the Neptunes guy and now is the guy. Yeah, now he's fucking Pharrell. Yeah. And like, he's like, I got to impress Pharrell. And then he does. And that feels really good. And, and Pharrell he's like, is you're like, my new favorite artist. He's like, such a like, he's, you're right. It's like an oracle. He's like, he's the only person in the world who could have, like, I wish that Cootie was a better filmmaker and like it was better telling this story because it's we're like getting there we're getting there yeah. but like it's like it's one of the one of the saddest things is that he doesn't like linger on this more and like really hammer home the idea that like pharrell is literally the only person in the world who understands kanye west because pharrell who is the only person at, who's done the same thing as him if there's a some because kanye is so singular like mm-hmm. kanye really is one of those people you know kanye has this very like youth pastor like coach kind of mentality that donda sort of instills in him yeah lots of good footage of his mom good by the way donda footage. oh man really that fucking when she says uh you know what a, you know what a giant sees when he looks in the mirror nothing beautiful beautiful donda <laughs> amazing uh, person. i love you <laughs> she reminded me so much of like two specific like one like surrogate mother kind of person and my actual aunt mm-hmm. so much it was yeah. like kind of heart-wrenching what a just beautiful beautiful woman yeah incredible i can understand person. i can understand why kanye has like spent the rest of his life trying Grieving to like her, yeah yeah trying to bring her back basically with music it's one of my favorite things about this documentary was like that relationship being yeah. so exposed and on display as to why it was so important yeah um weird that her his girlfriend is entirely cut out of this completely movie completely cut out of the movie. and this know. is We'll get to this. It's a. It's very much a the dirt sort of a thing where it's like you can tell Kanye is present in the editing process of this film. Right. So a lot of time is spent on the the college dropout, and you know two for, movies, literally two of the three movies the are mo- the college dropout. Yeah, and and then he like. I guess halfway through the second one, he wins the Grammy. Also, just want to me- mention. Yeah. Oh, what I was gonna say is. Pharrell was the only person Kanye is singular and really did out of is one of the only people who really is making good on the concept of like don't let people tell you what to do do your own thing right like be your own person Kanye was nobody was doing what Kanye was doing he had this very specific vision and did it the only person that you can sort of be like was influencing Kanye was Pharrell right and Pharrell is interesting though because Pharrell is like what Kanye is without Kanye's like ego right yeah it's it's pharrell's whole thing is he's like 
he's happy to be the star, but he's also happy to be just the background guy. And 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 there being, was that one year where he wrote like the three biggest songs of the year, and like he only really was one of them. Like Happy was his song, but he's like, I don't give a shit. Like Robin Thicke, you can have this one, and, right. and Daft Punk, you guys can have this one. And is like, <laughs> yeah, he was on Blurred Lines and Lucky. Yeah. And, those and happy. Not- those were all the same year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe they were t- a year I apart from each other. I think you might be right. But they were all written at the same time. Basically, he wrote three of the biggest songs of of a like a whole decade of a basically. whole decade. Basically, yeah, uh, yeah. And then and just he only sort of was like- the star of one of them. And he's like. Yeah, I tried. And even in the one that he was the star of, his hat was really more the thing people were talking about. <laughs> and I feel like he's just con- because he doesn't have much of a personality other than incredibly sexy nice guy. Yeah. He just like nobody really thinks about him unless you're a musician. He's like um in that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns is drinking the radioactive <laughs> stuff and they find him in the woods and he's like all glowing and so every, everyone thinks he's a ghost the yeah. whole time and they find him out there and he's just like glowing. And that's what I always think of Pharrell as is he's just somebody who like nobody can really like figure out what to do with because he just <laughs> radiates talent yeah. so much and like has this gentle demeanor about him that you're just like I don't want to I don't want to touch him. I think I might fuck it up. <laughs> he's like a, he's like a little like china doll that yeah. you're just like it, I keep it on the shelf because if I touch it I might break he's it. He's a perfect angel. He's and a perfect little angel. <laughs> don't talk shit on Pharrell. Anyway, he's amazing don't in this movie. Don't look at him weird, just let him do his thing. <laughs> um so yeah, so we end the move, the real movie ends when Kanye wins a Grammy for College Dropout. Mm-hmm. They show the footage you've seen if you're a fan of Kanye, where he says, "Everyone wanted to know what I would do if I didn't win." I guess we'll never. I guess know. we'll never know. And then that should be the end of the movie. Yes, and he clearly intended it to be the end. Of the movie. He even says as much. He's yeah. like, "That was the end of the He's movie like, for we me." Had He's our like, "We ending. did it." And I'm like, "There's another like two hours left. Yeah. Oh, what else happens?" And then the movie takes a nosedive yes <laughs> a ma- like there's already so there's a weird thing that happens throughout the whole you know first and half of the second act where cootie is like constantly injecting himself into the story in a way that feels weird at times yeah it's and like I-, I understand you're the filmmaker and like this is very much the story of how you found this guy and wanted to die like he pitches it at the beginning as like it's like basketball basketball diaries, right? Um Yeah, Hoop Dreams. Hoop or Dreams, yeah, yeah. He's like, it's like Hoop Dream Basketball Diaries is the one that's it's Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Leonardo I think. DiCaprio where he gets like raped or something. <laughs> Not that one. Hoop Dreams. Uh, no, Hoop Dreams. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I want to do Hoop Dreams, but for rap. And you're like, that rules. That's a great idea. idea. And lucky on you that it was Kanye West. <laughs> That's awesome. I understand some elements of putting yourself into the story because it's very much the story of how you happen to find the next biggest guy in the world. Right, right? Good job. Good job to you. But then there's like random times where he's like, and then we went back to Chicago and where it all began. And I went to go see my dad. And no, you're like, no I, don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your dad. <laughs> Who's your dad? Cootie, shut up. I don't care about your dad. Skip this. <laughs> and there's all these times where he's like, he's like, and it was at that time that I realized I could use my camera to help Kanye. He kind of like, in some ways, like starts to like, I don't want to say he like takes credit for Kanye's success, but he definitely like frames it as though he's a part of he Kanye's success. He was there and it was important. It was and important it was. what he did. And, and, and he, you know, there's a weird, there's a weird scene where like, 
Kanye tells him like I want Hype Jones to make a video for me and he's Hype like Williams. Yeah, Hype Williams, sorry. Uh he's like Hype Williams to make this uh video for me for Jesus Walks and Cootie's like man like he's gonna fuck it up and you're gonna come to me and you're gonna be like cootie you gotta fix it and then i guess it does end up happening that 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 happens yeah but it's still it's really weird and you're like cootie you have to be cooler than this (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because kanye is being so nice yeah he's like i gotta get hype because you know it's a huge because i'm a big rapper now and i get to do this i I can get hype you know And, and he's like oh yeah cool and like he's Cootie's like trying to be like supportive and then like Kanye like knows him well enough to be like I like I fuck with you guys you guys are awesome I wanted you to do this yeah but he's like not being cool enough like you would think if you're Cootie in that situation it's 2000 whatever yeah and it's like your best friend who you've been hanging out with for years it's like and I'm gonna get hype Williams to do my shit to be like can I like AD it yeah like can I work with this? Like yeah, he could I, have just, so yeah, easily just let me be a camera operator on this. He could man. have so easily just like been in his like in his inner crew if he had been chill. Yeah, and like I think Kanye probably was like. This, I think that's the moment basically where Kanye is like, "This guy's not coming with me for graduation." Yeah, he's <laughs> got, he wants to use his like baseline talent and it's like he's not untalented like he obviously did like Wyclef John shit and like yeah. he did professional stuff yeah his videos are pretty good but I mean like the every Kanye video no, like that's insane. not how it works you're already doing the documentary yeah. like so be chill so and then we get to the point where he does the graduation release and like there's like this long or it's a late registration right is that the one where he's like wearing the white suit I thought that was graduation whatever the point is that like it seems as though, like, as Kanye's career develops, Cootie kind of loses touch with him. And Kanye very clearly is like, I don't want this dude around all the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't need you documenting me all the time. And at this point, I kind of start to feel pretty gypped because I'm like, the beginning of this, he was like, it's like hoop dreams, but for rap. I met Kanye when he was 19. I kind of thought, like, oh, damn. Like, we're going to see all of this yeah 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 i did not expect it was going to be like the college dropout and then i lose touch with him until he's crazy (laughs) 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 which is basically what happens uh so we kind of like watch from afar as like kanye does all the kanye shit until basically until now until donda is what seems like what is when they kind of like right gain touch again so so there's this huge dip where he doesn't see him but we like in the movie we have to deal with Cootie doing the most boring shit <laughs> and being like, Donda called me to do something and I got that. Here's that. And it's like, okay. Yeah, uh, you went to go to <laughs> Donda's like fucking birthday party or whatever. Yeah, I don't... Okay, it's like nice to see Donda, but then it's like... And then he's like, and then Donda died. And then I saw Kanye's had a club one time and it was like awkward and weird and like... It's like, oh, this is so, you, yeah, you told I me a, you told I me I had a daughter and like we you know, she's beautiful. Yeah, you told me two weeks ago like that it was one of the most pathetic things you'd ever seen. <laughs> had you finished it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it it's it's pretty Or maybe I hadn't actually. Maybe I got to the end of the second one. I cause I put off the third one for a while because I was like, I really don't want to see what this is. <laughs> right. Because it just seems like it's gonna be Cootie being like, and here's my life now. It's like, don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> and dude. it's funny because I, I couldn't help but think of how similar it is to Mistaken for Strangers, uh-huh. but shittier because you don't they don't actually have a relationship anymore. Right. And it's like, yeah, I made a it's like if he had 
if like Tom Berringer like did a documentary about his brother, but like didn't have his phone number and just like met him outside parking lots. It's like really cringe. It's really cringe for a while. And then it seems like I don't remember what the catalyst for this is, but he starts hanging out with Kanye again and they're like chilling in China together for a while. Yeah. And we kind of like catch up a little bit and they seem like they're hanging out, but it really just seems like it is. If you've ever heard a, a, interview with kanye where kanye just like goes off yeah and like nobody can control him like Mm -hmm. uh i used to listen to um i don't know if they still do it but um uh uh rosenberg and cypher sounds used to do the juan epstein podcast juan epstein juan epstein yeah um it's about epstein or just juan ep i think they called it juan epstein was the uh he was a character on welcome back cotter his thing was he was the puerto rican jew and, oh um, yeah. So because Cypher <sighs> Sounds is Puerto Rican and and Rosenberg is Jewish, they called their podcast One Ep. Okay. And they were all these like really super long interviews with rappers, and it ruled. It was a great yeah. podcast. I don't know if it still exists. It might. I remember. But I was listening to it for a long time, and they had a Kanye show. one where like they do a like they do a pre-show thing where they're like, "All right, so Kanye is on his way over. We're about to interview him." And uh, our goal, because we've all, we've talked to Kanye a bunch of times, we're Hot 97 DJs. Sure. They're like, our goal is to not get kanye We have to like, we're going to stick together. We're going to work really hard to not get kanye <laughs> We can't get steamrolled. Like, we're going to control this conversation. We're going to control this interview. And then cut to, it's like, a, it's basically just like smash cut to, and it's just like Kanye yelling going off for like four hours <laughs> and like they get zero questions in nice <laughs> it's just kanye ranting forever right. about whatever he's mad about that day so what's really strange about this is like all of a sudden the movie becomes what i considered and i i didn't think this at first but like the more i thought about it a much better movie mm-hmm. because what you have now cootie if you're listening, is access to a singular person in history that we've only ever seen one of mm-hmm. in the entire history of America, which is one of the richest people in the world who's also fucking insane. Yes. And we've really only seen... And we only ever see the version of him that either he wants to show us or the media wants to show us. Right. We don't ever really get this perspective on him of just him like fucking around. But and, and what like, you said of before... him just sitting there on Twitter is crazy. Yeah. Or like watching Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Or like... And and, I th- and his friend being like, dude, you got to turn this guy he's off. He's negative. He's yeah. negative. This is bad for you. And him being like, no, he's the only guy who fucking gets me. And you're like, Kanye, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of, yes, because he, Tucker makes a decent point there. I don't even remember. I, I mean, it, it's interesting because it's like Tucker basically says like, he might be crazy, but that doesn't make his point here wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's true. But what was his point there? The point was something about abortion is bad. Oh. And it's like, well, your point is wrong for different reasons, but that yeah. is true. Like, you being crazy doesn't make you wrong. And I think people, it's hard to deal with people who are like, you know, mentally unstable. Right. Mentally ill because people want to like make them be, you know, like argue with them on like a logical level right and it's like people need to be around to be like yeah that's true but you know your position hurts people and like you have to argue with them on an emotional level um but it's it's so fascinating to me because you have this 
system around Kanye that will not let him fall because his existence and his money is necessary for thousands of people's livelihood. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Uh Uh-huh. It's just this whirlwind at the eye of this storm of billion-dollar companies of just this person who's completely unreliable, but also one of the still one of the best musicians of all time. Mm. Like in the movie, he's like rapping incomprehensible over some of the coolest beats you've ever heard. And you can tell like Ryan Fest is like in Dominican Republic. He's like, that's fire. And he's not lying. Yeah. It is amazing music and he's still doing amazing stuff, but he personally is like uncontrollable and unstable. That's a so much more interesting topic for a movie. Right. Of like this person. And and unfortunately, we're a, only there for like 30 minutes. 30 minutes at best. He, he, but he, the idea of like examining a culture that allows someone with talent and charisma to become this position yeah. is fascinating. And I couldn't stop thinking about how good those last 30 minutes were. And how there's like, there's no, there's no safeguard at this point for the Kanye machine. You know, it's like, yeah, everybody just wakes up every day and hopes that the Kanye machine doesn't explode. <laughs> And yeah. everybody knows that someday it will. If if Cootie <laughs> was an intelligent and good filmmaker and yeah. not just somebody who locked into just having some incredible... parasite. By the end of it, he really just feels like a fucking parasite. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not like... Because the problem is like we're talking about this in a way that it is not presented in the movie. That's right. Like we're talking about what you're able to see in the footage if you pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. How it's presented in the story is him being like, well, the fucking thing is, it's been... This has been broken for a while. Oh, is that the one that was already broken? Yeah. Okay. Um, the way it's presented in the movie is is Cootie is like, and I was finally back with my friend. We reconnected after all these years. Yeah. We're both parents now. And you're like, <laughs> Cootie, what? What are you talking <laughs> what about, are you man? Talking about. <laughs> I was just happy to see that he was doing well. You're like, he's not doing well, Cootie. <laughs> I mean, he's rich, but it's like what you know. And then he's like, when he's like filming him, like ranting and because ra- there's this really incredible moment where these like four you know, like billionaire white guys who are like clearly the CEO of like Goldman Sachs or whatever. I don't, I didn't look up who those guys were, Mm -hmm. but they're like sitting in the Dominican Republic and talking about, um, like buying land. Yeah. And Kanye is just fully schizo. Like I'm not, I, I, I apologize to any like mental health people. Like I'm not trying to over exaggerate. Like he seems to have like schizoaffective disorder. Yeah. Some sort of like extremely schizo bipolar, um, and he's just fully ranting nonsensically. Like he's talking about like rocket ships and like destroying land and like it's just nonsense. And these guys are just like, Haha, yep. <laughs> yeah, like cool, man. Like just Anyway, like, we're sh- thinking about buying some hectares of land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause they're just like, Well, this guy has bazillions of dollars, so we're just gonna nod until he signs yeah. on the dotted line. And we're having fun, I guess, where you just get drunk and listen to this crazy guy rant. And it's like, that's... And 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 so Cootie is like, it didn't feel right to film this. And so he turns it off, but it's like... What are you doing? This is the only sh- thing. This is what this movie has been... Like, what, what is the point and of you this can, piece? And you can just really imagine a film, like, cut down probably a lot shorter to, okay, this is the situation. He should have just, like 
interviewed the people who daily have to deal with him. Yeah. And be like, what is Kanye like to deal with on a daily basis? What are you safeguarding? But so this How is, do you do this? How does this work? But this is the problem, right? Is that like, like I was saying earlier about his girlfriend being completely cut out of the movie entirely. She does not exist in this movie, yeah. period. And he's in, not even a glimpse of her. And she is an incredibly important part to that. She's gra- huge. That huge story part. before 808. So what I think happened is that like Kanye was only going to give this the green light under one condition. And that is that he had some sort of influence in the editing Final process. Cut, yeah. And I think that what happens is basically like he goes back and he says like, I don't want her in the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. So she's not in the movie. And in this case, it's like you're never going to get that movie where like people are being interviewed about what it's like to work with Kanye. Because Kanye's not going to let that out, you right. know. And Cootie is a pathetic fucking worm who's just like, I just want to get my movie out. Right, and that's what's weird though, is because you get these glimpses that are very. I guess I kept having to be like, why would Kanye want this? And it's like Kanye in a in moments of clarity is like. I want people to know I'm going through stuff and yeah. that I meant I'm actually mentally ill and it's tough and I have to deal with that. Or he sees it and he doesn't see anything weird about what he's saying, I which is also he... possible. It's just, I can't stress enough how bizarre the third installment of this is where you're watching this guy have, you know, complete mental breakdowns, just skits all over, skits all over the fucking place. Yeah. Talking circles around people going insane all the time and then cootie over the top of being like it was nice to see my brother doing well (laughs) it's just completely like not talking about what's happening on camera at all it's, so it's just about what's going on with and his then he, relationship at the end he's just like and god let us here and amen and yeah. that's so great and it's like and it's a beautiful of- footage of his daughter weird really weird really fucking weird also one thing we must talk about before we close out what is is it actually filmed on some sort of like medium format is it actually film or is this like <laughs> no it's not it's, is it done in post for some reason because what he's shooting on i i, I had this there's thought one too. time where you see it's actually the one time you see the girlfriend yeah and yeah. she asks him like so how are you get, she asked like, like a really good question are you good at final cup <laughs> yeah are you like doing are, so what are you doing in post yeah <laughs> <laughs> the one the one good question anyone ever asked him of like so like what are you actually seriously making this movie yeah. or are you just fucking around <laughs> and you see him in the mirror and you see the camera and it looks yeah. like some sort of old little contraption thing oh it doesn't is he filming on film it looks like he, but no way. but the amount of film would be so astronomically expensive. I think he says, I think she says, so you're filming on mini DV. Uh-huh. So I think he's filming in square format, not widescreen, because it's probably a Panasonic or Canon from the mm-hmm. early 2000s. It probably cost a lot of money at the time, but it's probably one of those, and he's shooting on mini DV, which was, I believe, four by three, and you could shrink it to widescreen, but right. it wasn't natively widescreen so i think the like filter over it is so that it looks not like shitty early 2000s video and more like shitty film right that's my guess 
And then later, I tried to look into it, and there, nobody asked him this. There's no interview where he talks about the camera or anything. That's so weird. That seems like that's like question one. It's such a distinctive <laughs> visual. Yeah, and it's it's and then later when he gets back, he's clearly using like a new DSLR, yeah, like a camera, yeah, like a beautiful whatever they shot shoot stuff on now. Mm-hmm. So it looks normal, but it's the whole first part of it looks weird and it's you know got black bars on the side yeah um i guess my takeaway from this movie is um that i wish that there i wish it was a different movie is like the main thing is that i wish there was a movie that was two hours long about the system and culture that created kanye west Mm -hmm. and how this person who is unstable and losing their mind constantly is so rich and why so many rely, people rely on him and why he's so talented. And yeah. then intercut that with the footage you have from before when he's like this sort of bright-eyed person and sort of like create this like portrait through the era. Yeah. You know, I don't really give a shit about like, and then we recorded late registration. And then we yeah, recorded 808. Like, I wouldn't have cared anyway. So Yeah, but there is like a, there's unfortunately there is a breaking point in the middle there that is completely absent from the movie. Right. <laughs> right. So there's we- like him not being friends with Kanye during the time when Donda dies and, and his girlfriend breaks up with him. Like that kind of seems like it should have been the point where you're like, oh, the movie should just be college dropout. Right. Either make, it, make the decision of just like make the make the college dropout thing and actually end it at the Grammys and release that or make this really amazing thing you could have made. I really think he could have made it. If he didn't have the footage of the breaking points, I don't think he had it because I, I, I think like you need it. I mean, I think it's like it's 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 such a key to like the creation of the Kanye culture, right? It's like like when you're talking about like how everybody relies on him and how nobody can stand up to him and how everybody enables him, all of those things come from that point of like where you can see the train come off the tracks and be like, well, we can either stop it, which is this is where we can stop it is if we intervene now. Right. Or because everybody knew he had, he, he always had trouble. You know, he was always a bit of a loose cannon. We know this from all the way back in his, you know, I guess we'll never know. That was alluding to the fact that everybody knows that Kanye kind of has some demons, right? Yeah. So there's a point where everybody can see, like, he's losing these support systems in his life. This is where we intervene, and this is where we get him on track, or at least try to help him not fall off. Nobody does, Mm -hmm. because everybody is like, he's printing money. (laughs) Yeah. He prints money, and he prints culture. Not only that, he's the the at any moment they could have continued to do that but the album he made in the grief of those things breaking up with his girlfriend is the most important album literally changed culture yes like fucking is one of the most important albums of the entire decade yes if not the most important album yeah. of the decade like it created emo rap it, it like, created everything it, yeah. everything that people listen to now is is singularly coming from that album but and they were like well I guess we got to let him do his thing. I just got to let him do his thing. Yeah. And it's like the longer you come, the longer you get away from that first impact point, the more absurd it seems to kind of try to rein him in because you're like, we didn't do it then. We didn't do it. We We didn't do it after, after, um, uh, what's the next one is, uh, 
it's not watch the throne isn't next right it's um, after 808s yeah my beautiful dark twisted fantasy yes yeah, so you didn't do it after beautiful dark twisted fantasy you didn't do it after watch after the watch the throne you didn't do it after Jesus. like all of these points are points where you can find five six seven different times where somebody could have been like hey he, kanye you're kind of really insane right now <laughs> you probably should rein it in a little bit yeah and i mean it's like i guess the question but it's like the point is the more of those you pass the more of those you don't intervene at the more absurd it seems to try to intervene now right and it's all but it's also like at this point i mean like what do people do in this country for mentally ill people right well i mean if anybody has access to the resources it's probably kanye right but that but what even him like the fact that like one of the richest men in the world can't get it together is like damn what does that mean for the rest of us exactly and i think that's such an interesting i think this portrait another could interesting have been... question that cootie is simply not interested in asking exactly <laughs> that's exactly my point is that there's so many interesting things in this story that just are not explored yeah but they're kind of there and so for that reason i think it's worth watching i think it's worth there's gotta, nothing like this i gotta recommend i it. gotta recommend it's it. so interesting it's like a mixture between mistaken for strangers and like zelig or something like it's it's really bizarre yeah um it's not i i gotta say that i personally don't think it's good but the the footage that he has is so worth watching. Yeah, just for that early footage of him fucking around with like most deaf and Talib quality is like totally worth Actually, it. Actually, I'm going to take that back. If it was just the first two and ended at the Grammys, yeah. I'd be like, good job, Cootie. Because that's, yes, that's I would what call he, this a great documentary. That's what he could handle is the mm-hmm. thing that he was there for, the thing that he got to experience as like a win for him and his friend. Yeah. And then he should even have added in the whole like brotherhood thing where you're like, yeah, it was great to see my brother come up. Right. And then anyway, here's my daughter. Good Why not? Bye. No, you know, fuck I off. have a daughter. Yeah, your life is fine. I'm sure. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I think. And so I. But what? What? And I would. I think if it would just been a straight positive, be like, cool movie. Yeah. But I think adding the shitty uh, other hour or forty five minutes, and then this incredible like. I wish it could have been something different. 30 minutes makes it like, I can't say it's good. It makes it, it, it shows its flaws too deeply. Yeah. But it is incredible to, to see some of that stuff. So definitely I would say recom- my recommendation is don't stop after the Grammys. Like skip if you can, if you want to, Yeah. to the new stuff. Yeah. After the Grammys, you can skip the rest of that installment. Yeah, I think a hundred percent. You can skip from the Grammys straight to episode three. Yes, that is the way. That is the official <laughs> Gen Loss way to watch. Yeah, genius. Skip to three, folks. When you're watching at home, if you're doing your homework, if if uh, if you're in the Discord watching it, go ahead and skip. <laughs> but Pfeiffer, this is a message directly yeah. to you. <laughs> you won't hear it until after. <laughs> All right, that's how we feel about it. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Generation Loss, the show about movies. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It doesn't take itself very seriously at all. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you will get a bonus episode weekly where we talk about the movie news, sometimes little themed episodes, other reviews of movies. It's a good time. You can hang out with us in the Discord there. You get uh, Discord benefits where we hang out. We have fun been having a good time recently you can watch the movie that we're going to talk about on monday 
And that's all. That's it. Follow us on Twitter and stuff at Gen Lost Pod, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. We in the streets, play it, get your mail. It's only two places you end up either dead or in jail. Still know where to go. Know where to go. Still know where to go. Now throw your hands up, busters, busters, boosters, ho. Everybody break that. Still know where to go. Breaks, low brown, high stakes, smoke black folks, Big Macs, fat folks, ecstasy capsules, presidential scandals, everybody move. Two words, most deaf, K-West, hot shoot. Calm down, get back, ghetto people got this. Game pong, not shoot, gun pong, cock shoot. We won't stop shoot. everybody move. Two words, B-K-N-Y, Ben Stuyve, too hard, too hungry, too many, that's why. These streets, no game, can't ball